We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Day. It's at the Lame Shows where you can find me, my guy in the building, A-Double. What's good? Coming from a very, very, very story-filled weekend of events. Dude, talk about a rager of a weekend. Uh, and it's weird that the NBA Finals is totally on the backseat. Behind UFC and, and soccer. Both Euros and Copa. We'll give Copa love. Right, right, right. Which I do feel... As if those two sports have really captured the 18 to 40 demographic over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I know the NBA yeah. fits that mold yeah. too, so I don't want to shit on it. But I feel like those two sports have really become more general appeal. Right. There's a more general appeal it's to the global sports. phenomenon. Right. Yeah. yeah, both of them. Yeah, right. if you really think about it. I was looking at some of the instagram accounts for like the ufc uefa world cup and mm. it's you know 20 30 40 million followers yeah. too so you're right it's a global scale it's always yeah. going to be bigger yeah where do you want to start man i'll let you i'll let you it has to be the euro it's just because such a huge final two heavyweights mm -hmm. two heavyweights that haven't been the final italy nine years england over 55 years or 60 years something like that and as usual, kind of the drama-filled extra time, which has kind of come to... We were accustomed to in this tournament. You know, the last three games now have gone to extra time. Or actually, last four, if you want to include Sweden and Ukraine. Like, it's what we kind of expect. Because I think going into England and Italy was a true 50-50. Mm -hmm. I think people slightly favored Italy just because of talent level. But then you got to count the Wembley factor. And overall, we got a game that was truly a deadlock. Yeah. Man, there are so many storylines and subplots from this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're projecting close to 2.5 billion people watch this final, Oof. which is wild, right? Yeah. And a lot of fallout from it, both positive and negative. Yeah. We'll start with the positive. I think the right team won. Yes. From start to finish, uh, first of all, you owe me an apology, uh, apology you fuck. 
For what? What I for the Bonucci Kalini when I said they were the two best center back pairings, and you were like, I think France has something to say to it. Hey, I will <laughs> eat my words on that. Geo the dinosaur, as my boy Tony likes to call him, and I thought Bonucci's. I think he should have been player of the tournament. Nothing against Donnarumma. Donnarumma, mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought Bonucci, considering scored the goals, scored two great penalties against Spain and England, and I just thought it was defensive stalwart throughout the tournament. I think he should get his due, but nevertheless, you know Donnarumma, who's gonna hate on him? Twenty two years old. Guy's already a legend. What the fuck's up with that name, man? John Luigi. John Luigi it's like, yo, <laughs> 20 years from now, the next John Luigi got to be the goalie also. Yeah. Just a legacy. Just, for him to replace Buffon and already just become, like, he's beloved. And it's crazy. Like, he just left Milan for PSG. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's had a lot of backlash. But now he's back to being a hero. It's all, all it takes. You just have to win the tournament and you're yeah. in the graces. Yeah, man. But, yeah, that center back pairing was so, so phenomenal. So yeah. let's talk about that game, right? But in particular, I want to focus first on Italy. Got to give them their flowers. They won. This was this was wild to me as I was doing some research, bro. They, if you were to rank world powers in soccer, where would you put Italy? Maybe bear. They're top 10, but they're on the fringes. I should rephrase that. I'm talking about historically. Oh, historically. Okay, yeah, yeah. not, not yeah, like yeah. currently right yeah, now. They've won four World Cups. I believe they won two Euros. So I think they got to be up there with the likes of Brazil or Germany. So I want to say they're only behind Brazil. Okay. Um, Copa America. I know we're coming off an Argentina-Brazil final. We'll get to that in a little bit. I feel like the Euro is a lot harder to win. Just because there's more teams. Because especially with Copa, like I saw the format, only two teams got eliminated in the group stage. Right. Which so is, it was <laughs> somehow worse than the Euro format. Which yeah. Is, so basically, it was a group A and group B. There's yeah. five teams and the top four advanced. Right. And it was set up if Argentina and Brazil came in first, like they did, they were going to play each other in the final. Right. So it was like Peru advanced and Paraguay and like Bolivia's of the world, Venezuela. Yeah. Yeah. Colombia's good. Yeah. yeah. Uruguay's on the back end of their golden generation yeah. with like the likes of Suarez and right. Cavani being. Because yeah. Argentina hasn't won since 1993, which right. I found baffling considering right. it's Argentina. Right. And if you look at the resume for Messi in like his last, I think, five or six tournaments mm-hmm. prior to this one, it was like runner up in all yeah. of them. Like he's, he just wasn't able to get that. But I don't want to get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. I think Italy is only behind Brazil, and here's why. Dude, they've made 10 finals between Euro and World Cup. I couldn't find exactly for Brazil, but, man, that got to be up there, right? Yeah. Like, World Cups, they've been to six finals. Mm-hmm. They've won four. And Euro Cup, they've been to four finals, and they won two. Yeah. So, finals in 2012, 2000. 2020 and 1968, 2020, uh, yeah, 2020 and, and tw- uh, 1968 was when they won it. And then World Cup Finals in 2006, 94, 82, 70, 38, and 34. Wow, yeah, historically. Because, you know, I'm, I'm picturing, I'm picturing the, the stars above the logo. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, okay, I know France has two. Uh, Germany has a decent amount. I know Spain and England have one. So that's what I'm trying to think across my because i'm always thinking world cup before anything else right but obviously brazil and italy are the ones that really stand out because you see those stars yeah yeah and brazil beat italy in 94 yeah famous penalty kick by baggio Mm -hmm. arguably the greatest italian player of all time to to many's Mm -hmm. uh opinion so italy 
it was something we spotlighted on the preview show. Always just kind of there. Yeah. When they're in a major tournament, you got to take them serious. You look mm -hmm. at these accolades, right? Like, mm -hmm. dude, 10 finals. I think that's a lot, mm -hmm. bro. Like, again, I wish I was a little bit more prepared as far as, like, how many other teams have went to it. Mm -hmm. I know Argentina has multiple World Cups. We failed to mention yeah. them also. But, man, they're just, like, always there. And a lot – this is excluding a lot of runner um, – not runners-up, semifinal appearances, mm -hmm. uh, quarterfinal penalty losses, yeah. which are coin flips. Mm -hmm. But Italy, I think, needs to be considered as the premier European power in soccer from a historical context. You make a very valid case. I can't because it just if you look at recency bias, like people are hyping up France. You look at Spain's run. Like Italy has always been in contention. It's just they haven't won in quite some bit. You know, we're talking about fifteen years since they last won a major tournament, and the last final they made prior to this was two thousand twelve when Spain pummeled them. Right. So that's why I think we kind of forget about Italy a little bit, but. Based on those accolades, like yeah, you can't dispute and, it. and you know, you, you mentioned France, right? I'm a big France supporter. Yeah. They didn't win their first World Cup until 1998, uh, yeah, right? Correct. So that was like the start of that golden era: the Henri, Zidane, Trezeguet, and all these Remember guys. They won Euro 2000 after that, right? Yeah. They went back to back there, yeah. and then that sort of blossomed. So like France is a relatively quote unquote new power, right? right? I know they had Platini in the yeah, 80s, yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure they won a Euro Cup too, yeah. but like. Italy's been doing it for, since the 30s, bro, wow. you know, and wow. just like consistently in, in the 60s, they won a major title in the 70s. Mm -hmm. They they won a title like in the 80s. It's just it's a team that it seems like every decade, mm -hmm. if there's going to be five tournaments, you got to expect Italy to be at one of them. And that's like, that's wild, right. dude. And going to the game, you have to credit the resilience to concede in the first minute. It wasn't a free goal. It was well executed by England. Right. I thought for the first half, they got vastly outplayed. Other than Kiesa, created a great opportunity to turn Declan Rice inside out. But that first half, was it did not look promising for them. Yeah. But quickly in the second half, they got it. I had a feeling they were going to come back just because of England's style, which I know we're going to be critical of their conservatism. But you know, given that midfield, like I think Italy's midfield, you put up right there with France as the best of the world. Varati, yeah. Barella, Jorginho. What a what a threesome! And then Mancini, I just think for the most part in this tournament, really got his substitutions right. He used the, the depth of his squad, which you, coming off this past season, when so many players had played countless games, because mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. how uh, constructed the the club seasons were, these players they haven't had much of a break. So you really had to use squads after winning this tournament. I thought Italy did a tremendous job of doing that. You saw the substitutions were very calculated, and it ultimately paid off. But uh, yeah, you have to give credit. I was a little cautious going to find because I thought Spain outplayed Italy. I thought Italy was mm. pretty fortunate to get through that. But you know, look, what, you have a size when the goalkeeper is size of Donnarumma and some real specialists. I know Georgina missed against England, but Georgina is one of the best penalty kick takers in the world. But Nucci consistently delivering. Bernadeschi come off the bench twice, scoring great penalties. Like they know I take them, and you know, to win back to back. Uh, not many national teams have done that in tournaments. Like they, I think it was a stat because. Both Switzerland and Spain both had multiple penalty shootouts in a tournament, and they both lost the second time. Mm -hmm. And they talked about past tournaments like Portugal and France. Uh, a little shout out though, you know, who was in 2018. Croatia did. Croatia, that, baby. Denmark, Russia. I'm sorry. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's very hard to win two penalty yeah. shoots. And you were talking about now about semifinal and final. Right. The pressure is ramped yeah. up on a thousand. Right. Because I was, because. I think penalties are great if you're not invested. Like if you're neutral, it's great. If you're invested, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a big PK conversation coming in a yeah, little bit. Okay, uh, I hate to interrupt on. you. I want to go back to Italy a little bit. Fucking Chiesa, man. Oh, big star tournament. I would say I want to push back a little bit on the first half. I thought from around the 25 minute mark mm -hmm. 
to about the 100 minute mark in extra time it was all italy for me wow i thought okay. they completely yeah. controlled the game the possession at one point yes. i was like it's like 65 is 35? england greece all of a sudden with like 29 yeah. possession italy dominated they controlled uh, I was a little worried when Kiesa got hurt. He got subbed off because he, he seemed hurt. to be the only guy that was... Gen- Dude, yeah. taking on defenders like 3v1 right. and, yeah. and getting shots. Uh, Pickford gets a lot of criticism. He was to a lot of people's... He was the weak link. The weak link. He, came up big yeah. for them during regulation. Mm-hmm. The the one thing that I like that Mancini did was he was not afraid to pull an Immobile and Signe when they mm-hmm. weren't having it and being like, yo... We got it. Yeah, Mobley was terrible on oh, that stage. Like everyone makes fun of him from the clip I know you posted against Belgium, but he was like legitimately just awful against Belgium. And like I think Manchidi's, uh patience wore thin, and he was making moves. He looked at Spain, like he took him off within sixty minutes in both those games. So correct them. I thought Insigne got into a little bit because he's just such a wonderful player. Yeah. Great free kick attempt too. Almost yeah. buried that oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. But this silly team, even though it's. It's not. It doesn't have the star power of a France or an England or even a Germany, for instance. But they're just very solid. And when you have a center back pairing, like I thought, Harry Kane started out strong, but by 30th minute, I don't think he had a touch within the 18 yard box the whole game. Yeah, you gotta give a testament to Benucci and Kilanini. Well, the goal that England scored came off a Harry Kane ball that he got. I would. I want to say like. On his side of the 50. Yeah. Like on their end of the field mm-hmm. and then played it out wide to Trivia. And that's just a goal also there. Like there, there's no one is saving Great that. Great run too. by Luke Shaw. Amazing yeah. run by him. Hats off to him. He had a hell of a tournament yeah, too. Besides Spinozola, I'd say he's the best left back in his tournament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely for sure. Without a doubt. And with, with Italy, they, um, they, they had answers for everything that anyone threw at them from start to finish. We talked about it after that, the first leg of matches, how we felt they were the best team playing against Turkey and just consistently, you know, and the route that they took too, man, they beat, they beat some really good teams. They beat Belgium, you beat Spain, now you beat England, right. who, look, the tournament was kind of set up for them to, to win it. Six yeah. of the seven games playing in Europe. The the president of uh, the European Championship he admitted it was a, came saying came out and it said was a botched format. Yeah. yeah, it's not fair that teams are traveling ten thousand kilometers in total and yeah. England he, left one time. Here's the two crazy st- st- statistics. Excuse me, uh, four of the semifinalists all were host cities. You look at Denmark; they play the group stage games in Copenhagen, Spain, Seville, England, London, um, Italy, Rome, and th- th- one of the craziest statistics. When Spain played Switzerland, Switzerland had already traveled 13,000 miles in Torrent. They played in Rome. They played in Baku. Baku, which just absurd that they had to travel there. Like, it was hard for fans to even get into Baku due to their restrictions. I think you had to get, like, a visa again there. And then they also traveled to Budapest. And then they went to go play Spain in St. Petersburg, Russia. Like, they traveled 13,000 miles. Spain traveled 3,000 miles. All they had to do was a quick... Uh, trip to Copenhagen when they played Croatia and then they went to St. Petersburg. Like, you have a team playing 13,000 miles and then won 3,000. It's just, it's not fair. Yeah. Wow, dude. I'm, my, like, my jaw was dropped there. That's so true about all the teams that made it to yeah. the semis. And, and they were, I don't want to, like, take it all away from because, like, uh, the Denmark story was great. England, well deserved. They won their games and Italy, tremendous. And uh, Spain, they battled through it. They got there. Like, all four were deserving there. It's just, 
you can't tell me like it's an advantage bro it's an advantage when you don't got to travel all that time the next tournament's in germany thankfully and i should be run much better right right in 2026 and 2024 2024 yeah 2026 you know how all those clips have been surfacing of people tweeting from like 2013 and i think those are edited tweets but i mine are real tweets and i'm gonna say 2026 it's gonna be that's gonna be that shit flash on uh cbs sports network fox sports espn Gino Reyna has a full beard scoring a winner. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Pulisic. Um, but with, with, with Italy, the last thing I want to say about mm-hmm. them is moving forward, the World Cup is in 18 months. Yes. They should still be strong. Yeah, I think, Unless... I think the, a lot of teams are going to... Like, it's not going to be too much of a turnover. Right. Not yeah. too much of a turnover. However, the two center backs... Yeah, you're older. A year older, I think uh, either Kalini or Bonucci's birthday was like this week coming up. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about maybe two years older. Oh. So that would be my biggest concern mm-hmm. for me because, man, them two really cleaned up yeah. everything. back. Shut down Lukaku, too, when they yeah. played. And even with Harry Kane, like you said. Um, any other thoughts on Italy? Because we haven't even gotten to England because right. that's... I think we, we broke it down pretty well. I just... I think going to tournament, I had Italy with maybe like a fifth or sixth best team, and I was like, okay, I think they're gonna make some, they're gonna make their mark. But I definitely never saw them making the final. Odds makers, same thing. They yeah. were they were tied with Germany and Spain right. as favorites to win the Euro Cup right. as well. What about Donnarumma with the walk off, <laughs> the most cold blooded fucking walk off ever? Saves it, doesn't even celebrate. Like, dude, he's a badass. Ass. Yo, you know if I ever saved the penalty kick to win a World Cup, I was yeah. like. <laughs> fucking suck it Boom. just dxing it all the way but i hats off to italy man i think they deserved it start to finish i thought they were the best team uh they were they were a fun team too true it was and that was one, some great games like those games against belgium and spain were like champions league core final semi-final level entertaining because you know some international tournaments you have games that are core final semi-finals the quality is not that yeah good i thought those italy belgium italy spain games were as good as it gets yeah, man. And also with Italy, I think why a lot of people fell in love with this Italian team, mm-hmm. unless you were Italian, yeah. obviously, is it's not your traditional Italian team. Right. And they we went after. We spotlighted it on the preview show how this was a, a way more offensive team. Mm-hmm. They were a team without a big name superstar. Mm-hmm. And I think as a unit, that played to their benefit. Not having an Mbappe or Ronaldo to count right. on to bail you out. It's like, we got to play as a team in order for us to be successful. Right. And outside of the final, I think every game they had, it was at least one banger of a goal or some goal that made your jaw drop. Like their goal in the final was, it was scrappy. They'll take it, obviously. But you look at, he has had a couple of bangers. Insigne against Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Games against Turkey and Switzerland. Like they just played some really fun stuff. And it was refreshing to see. And you know, I know that, I don't know if people are going to get certain favorites in a year. It's still, time ago you don't know what young players could emerge 18 months from now but honestly you know that country like they got to be totally confident going forward did you hear um the the guy who's in charge of sort of like the anthony fauci of italy no i did not said uh, so my dad was telling me and he showed me the clip it was like on, on greek tv but the guy who's like basically the fauci of italy said that if italy wins the euro cup 
please do not go out and celebrate because like covid but that was like there is no chance in hell the italians are not going to go buck you wild. Know what's crazy they said there was gonna be no parade and then Bonucci announced like oh we negotiate we're gonna do the parade <laughs> like they literally were not gonna i'm like come on you just won a major tournament like you're not gonna tell me argentina right now they're not gonna have a parade yeah 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 and and my dad was like yeah that is not gonna go over well we're talking about like our, our country that bleeds this and yo yeah. after missing the world cup too dude yeah, which they, they really described as a n- national travesty yeah it was yeah. the fucking economy yeah, went down yeah so they're back, man. Italy's back. Italy is back. Yeah, for sure. All right. We need to talk about England. Oof. There's a lot to break down with England. What would you like to lead off with? Just want to quickly mention how what a debacle was with the stadium to start the game. Well, that has to be talked about. How so? Uh, on fans without tickets barging into the stadium, attacking security. At one point. I, I didn't hear about this. Dude, there were hundreds of people just barging without tickets. Sitting in handicap section, uh, Mancini's son couldn't sit down the first half. Like his seats were taken by t- people with no fan, and, and like there was no discipline. Like people just raiding the stadium. Like this is why I don't think England like they ever could really host a tournament because it's just think they, those fans are just too. They get too nasty. They start drinking at ten o'clock in the morning. The game starts till eight. Mm-hmm. Go in the streets just. And I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know where the security was, but, like, people were just breaking in, and they got in easily, and people were forced to stand when they had legitimate tickets. Like, imagine you were going to a final. I paid hundreds, potentially thousands of dollars, and I can't sit down because a family without tickets sitting here and, like, no one's stepping up here. So that was a complete botched job, and as we mentioned, just pretty despicable behavior. Like, there was security. At one point, I saw secu- one, uh, one of the security guys was literally, like, kicking people, trying to prevent them. Like, he was, like, trying to slide tackle them because there were just not enough people there. And I'm just like, yeah, how's UEFA not like, cope for this better? Like, you're in England. You know these fans are rabid. Like, Well, yeah, this yeah. is uh, hooliganism. Yeah. The hooligans in, in England, it originated, the, the, the crazy fandom. Yeah. There was the famous incident, incident the Hillsborough. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, 96 people died at yeah. a soccer game because... They were rushing behind the net mm-hmm. and like people got suffocated just right. piling on top of each other. Yeah. Um, we'll get to the whole fiasco, the fallout of yeah. the missed penalty kicks. I really want to focus on the game for now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they are the leading candidate for the 2030 World Cup. Man. And after mm-hmm. all the shit that's transpired, yeah. I didn't know about this incident with them having issues of people rushing into the stadium. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard for them to get... A bid. Also, the fans are booing many anthems. Yes. A lot of pundits from from England were saying, "Guys, don't don't boo the Italian anthem." Right. They booed the German anthem, uh, not German. Um, sorry, it was a game after. They booed the Croatia anthem. I remember that. Right. They they just <laughs> they like, booed a bunch of yeah because there's some of them are just the most belligerent people. Like they just they have no remorse, unfortunately. And for such a proud country that you want to talk about that, that lives and die by the sport. Like England, they mm-hmm. live and die mm-hmm. by the sport. It's just unfortunate and. Uh, I guess if you want to transition the game, it's just for a team that has, like we talked about the collection of talent, I just feel like, man, they were not utilized to the full extent. I know the results went their way and they controlled a lot of the games. Like they thoroughly deserved every win they had this tournament, they deserved going right. to the final. But it's just, you look at the players that came on, just like, man, like there's German Allen saying, how on earth did Jaden Sancho play one game and maybe. 10 minutes here or had Jack Grealish not start certain games Phil Foden started two games then didn't play like it's just I think Southgate never quite knew his best team like I, I think there's a stat it says he's changed the lineup 38 games in a row yeah well it, 
funny point that we made kind of joking around yeah. how they're going to make it all the way to the final. This was after like the second game where they tied, I believe it Scotland. was Scotland. Yeah. We were saying how they might end up in the final and we still won't know what their best 11 was. Right. Or he hasn't played his best and 11. And he switched it up. Like, I, like look, I kind of worked early because look, the wingback system, it lets their only goal. But just to take Saka out and put in Trippy, I'm just like, oh, it's kind of a negative move. Like, you have so many weapons. Like, can you just somehow, like, to me, just playing three to back and then this real defensive conservative system is just, I, I think it came back to haunt them because it really limits them trying to get possession. Like, you saw, like, Italy's one of the best midfields in the world. You got to at least combat them. You're leaving two guys in Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, two very good players, but nowhere near a talent level of Arati or Barella or Jorginho. And they were just chasing them. And it's just a team like Italy, if you give them possession, they're going to score at some point. Mm. It might be on a set piece where things get crazy in the box but it's just the more you give Italy opportunity especially given how good they were as tournament it's gonna come back to haunt you and uh i think it was kind of reminiscent of world cup semifinal against croatia where it's like okay they scored in the first 10 minutes literally first minute this occasion and then you just allow the other team to have possession and you're just sitting deep and it's not like france france could get away with sitting deep i know it didn't work in switzerland but you look at the 2018 world cup france sat deep a lot in games and they barely allowed a goal i just England, for whatever reason, just hasn't done it. And now you lose two huge games by similar fashion. You score. Because this is the most deflating thing. I know it's a huge achievement for England making the final. But when you're winning one nothing in a semifinal final. At home. This at home, yes. Right. Like, to not finish it. Because it's, it's got to be deflating. Like, I, I know I want to buzz killing it because I know you should be proud of your team. Like, okay, you made a final. Congrats. But to have a lead in a, such a huge moment and not when it was there for them to like they could have scored a little bit like i thought the first 25 minutes they were all over it yep yep you gotta capitalize man so i think that was the most disappointing part and i didn't think southgate used the substitutions properly this sort of narrative that has come from the game about them scoring early was a bad thing because they decided to just park the bus and play like the 2004 Mm. greek team you know me dog i gotta mention the greeks as best i can you know what i'm saying have more Euro Cup wins than than England. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just <laughs> that's all facts right there. Uh, but you know, you score that old early goal, dude. Parking the bus in soccer is dope when it's like 15, 20 minutes left, and you're like, all right, let's hold on to this yeah. one goal lead. That's or if fine. you're really limited talent wise, like like a team like Greece, like Gre- that's yeah, what Greece yeah. did. Greece scored that first goal against uh, Portugal, Portugal with like at the six yeah. minute mark. And then they scored again on a set piece. Yeah. Like, I can understand if you have the talent level to do this. Like, you saw it when, say, uh, South Korea or Mexico beat Germany in the last World Cup. Or when Switzerland beat Spain back in 2010 World Cup when that was the prime Spain. Right, the right. Peak. They ended up winning the World Cup yeah, in 2010. Yeah, that was the only yeah. game they lost yeah. to Spain. Like, to me, it's like, if you have the talent level, I get it. But when you're England, you have all this fearsome attacking talent and just players in general. And for me, it's like, you should have confidence in your defense. They did not concede a goal to the semifinal. Yeah. And which was on a tremendous free kick by Damsgaard. Like, you know, England did not concede an open field goal this whole tournament. Yeah. Two goals were off set pieces. Set pieces, yeah. And the way how good Harry Maguire's plays tournament, John Stones, you know, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw, you should have full confidence in them. Yeah. Like, why do you have to be so concerned? Like, the way you're controlling these games. Like, to me, England, as pretty as it was, like, it wasn't all that great to watch at times, minus the Ukraine game. Like, they were deserved winners against Germany, Czech Republic, Croatia. Like, they control those They did games. what they had to do to win. So, to me, it's just like, man, why don't you have this conflict It's Italy? Like, I understand Italy's there. Understandably, so you're going to be a little fearful and you got to be a little cautious. But 
It's just you have too much at your disposal to play so defensive end. You're letting a team with that much talent have possession. It's going to come back to haunt you. And we kept talking about how this is a, this is a very elite era of English attacking stars. Like you said, we, we barely saw Sancho. Grelish would come in and he would get the indie wrestler pop yeah. from the crowd and he would generate, you know, I mean, I, I think he's the big reason why they beat Germany because he comes on and then they score right. two goals. Just you have all these creative players. And look, Harry Kane, don't do it for me. I slandered him and then he went on and scored four goals, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, or three goals, whatever it was, but he came alive after that. But I just don't understand that, man. Parking the bus when, like you said, you're not you're not Greece, you're not Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. You <laughs> yeah. get an early goal against like a Mexico and Concacaf or some shit. You're Bolivia. You score early on Brazil. It's right. like, all right, I get it, bro. But if you're, it's the other way around, and you should be able to impose your will too because you're not some slap dick team. Yeah, and you what, what, what are you fearing? Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. What are you fearing? And yeah. you know the. They go to penalty kicks, right? They make the, the, the late changes. And this is this fucking drives me crazy across all sports. Mm -hmm. Bringing on Rashford and Sancho, you know what that reminded me of? The Frank Nilakina incident with the Knicks. Right. Dude, Frank Nilakina didn't play the whole game. And with seven seconds left, you bring him on to guard Trey Young? You no him, shit, he's going to get you, cooked. You need him to deliver? like You bring on Sancho yeah. and Rashford, and their first touches is the final of the Euro Cup? Barely played penalty in the kicks. Barely played in the tournament, yeah. and you're like, oh, yo, here's your first touch of the soccer ball. It's a penalty kick. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, at least, if you're going to bring him on, why not bring him on, like, 105th man? At least give him 10th, 15th. Try to actually win the game. How about that? Like, let's actually try to win it before penalties. It just, yeah. that fucking drives me crazy. And, you know, like, I was trying to think of scenarios in football, and the one that popped in my mind was, like, Malcolm Butler came in in the Super Bowl, right. and that was the only play, like, he played, and yeah. he made the pick, and he's a hero, right? Well, Tan's also coming to mind, Simone and Zaza against Germany, the guy with the did the dance and booted into Rosie. Yeah. He just came on, and Antonio Conte, one of the best managers of the world, said that was one of his worst mistakes ever. Yeah, I just don't understand that. A, a guy gets hurt, the nickel corner comes in, yeah. and it's third and eight with the game on the line the other team picks up a first down the game's over like yeah no shit rogers is gonna go against you in the slot yeah. like that shit drives me crazy i think if you're gonna criticize southgate i think that's like yo bring them on earlier these guys are young like what's rashford 23 and yeah. he's the oldest of the uh, of the three yeah saka's San 19 sancho's, sancho's like 20 yeah, 21 yeah. it's like bro bring them in in like the 80 90th minute yeah. you could run them to the ground it's yeah. the last game right. and also these guys are young Get him some touches. Let him at least touch the ball on his foot. He's like, all right, man, now now I know how it is. And if you look at the Sancho PK, terribly taken. Mm -hmm. And then also with uh, Rashford, just that hits the post. Yeah. And it was just it was just out of control. I didn't understand that. And it's a wild pet peeve that I have yeah. that fucking drives me crazy. And putting a 19-year-old as your fifth penalty. To me, you should put your fifth, your best penalty taker fifth. If you have a full confidence in your team to take penalties, you do what Italy did with Jorginho. You put him. I know Jorginho missed, but he's a specialist. Like you see, teams they will put their be best penalty kick taker fifth, and you pick a 19 year old who's never taken a penalty in a competitive game. It's just ooh. And then Grealish didn't take it. Sterling didn't take it. It's just like I don't know why how it was managed. I feel like your best penalty kick takers should be bookends in your PKs. Right. And they did with Harry Kane first. Harry Kane excellent penalty. So, for first and last, yeah. I want my best guys going. Yeah. And look, what sucks is the moment it was when Sancho missed the PK, my dad turns to me and goes, if England loses this game, I feel bad for those boys. 
Two substitutes. The two substitutes. Yeah. Or three in soccer. Was soccer was a substitute. Soccer also. But this was the two late substitutes. The two late substitutes, young guys. And then also when soccer missed and the the game ended, he started talking about the racism stuff, mm-hmm. which has spiraled out of control right. in the last 24 hours since. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that that has become a big part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it not only takes away from the incredible run that England went to, like you said, it's hard for you to get to a final. Mm-hmm. Dude, if the United States got to a World Cup final. Oh, the country. Yo, give me a star. Yeah. Let, let them get to the semis. Give me a star. But dude, that star is so valuable. Do not disrespect the semis. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, and, you know, sometimes you take it for granted just how dominant, you know, certain teams are and how difficult they might be. You get to a final, right? Yeah. And look, those guys played a big role. More soccer in, in the sense of yeah. him playing more than the other guys. But my dad goes, it's going to get ugly. And the reason why is, dude, there's been a long history of racism, racist incidents in soccer in Europe. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking, a lot of it has been in Italy and in England, the two sides that played in the Euro Championship. And it got me thinking about, it's it's not as big a focus here in the united states not the racism Mm -hmm. part but the racism that does go on in soccer in europe because it's in europe Mm -hmm. but global scale over two billion people watch this game it's on espn you see the fallout you see the coverage Mm -hmm. now it's like all right this game was showcased in the united states on espn now the floodgates have opened as holy shit it is wild what goes on out there especially just how social media is Instagram, Twitter, you name it. 2019 Business Insider said the most shameful year ever in professional sports, world soccer, and the racism. Countless incidents in in Europe, in Italy. England defender Danny Rose says he wants he can't wait to retire from soccer mm-hmm. after being racially abused by Montenegro fans. Yeah. Um, Serie A matches called off. Yeah. Um, there was an instant 2019 qualifier between Bulgaria and England. They had stopped the game for like 15 minutes because of racist chants. Like Tyrone Mings, who's one of the English center backs, he said he was get, it was his first ever game for England. He was getting monkey chants. Like, yeah, I, right here, October 14th, Bulgaria fans yeah. make Nazi salutes and monkey noises aimed at England's black players during Euro qualifier. They already walked off. Yeah, yeah they walked off. Uh, another incident. Um, Hold on, because it's just uh, rephrased. I know Hungary's been hit very hard. Um, Um, Brazilian striker Taysan is banned by Ukrainian FA after kicking the ball towards a racist member in the crowd who left him in tears. Uh, Game called and halted off. Uh, Syria, countless incidents. Uh, Chelsea Antonio Rudiger plays for Germany. Oh, yeah, against Tottenham. Hearing monkey noises directed at him in the crowd during a game at Tottenham. Harry Kane goes to the fans. And says, this needs to stop. Yeah. We will not continue this. Also, some uh, Park. Yeah. Uh, Hun Min Sung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Korean player. Yeah. He also said uh, he got sent off mm-hmm. um, because of the noises yeah. and the way he retaliated. So this is something that, unfortunately, has been happening in, in Europe mm-hmm. a lot. Um, uh, Juventus defender Bonucci. Yeah, he defended Moise. Uh, he defended the fans rather than Moise Keane because uh, Moise Keane, who's uh, actually a time striker, mm-hmm. uh, now plays for PSG. He scored. I forgot who he scored Calgary. against. Calgary. Okay. Cagliari. Yeah, so he scored, and uh, they were making monkey choices. So he went like He did the post of fans, mm-hmm. and Bonucci, rather than condemning the fans, Bonucci told Keane, you shouldn't have done this. So it's like, 
he, he then gave, later, he gave, yeah, he apologized later. Yeah. But it's like, don't give these fans a pass for what they did. August 3rd, Zenit St. Petersburg's fans display a banner to Brazilian Malcon stating that black players are not welcome to the club in St. Petersburg. And I can't understand this because Russia. if you're a, f- the Russians yeah, didn't kneel when all the Belgian players yeah. kneeled before their game, mm-hmm. they all stood up. And that was a very, like, it was uh, very eerie. Very, yeah. like, because Ian Dark and Taylor Twelman was like the number one uh, broadcasting duo for the Euros. And even they were just like, ooh. So. Uh, Lukaku has had incidents in both Italy and in England as well. So this is something that I feel as if now it's being highlighted more, which is a great thing. It's not great that it's happening. um, No shit. But it's great that now there's some awareness to this issue because it's been going on for a long time. And I think we got to change the conversation saying this is, is, to me, it's not a minority at this point. I'm not saying it's 50-50. Like, I'm not saying there's 50% racist out there. But, like, I don't think it's a minority. I think there's a decent amount of people that act like this. Because, like, they are talking, like... Rashford, Sancho, Saka, these are some of the biggest promising players. These players might lead England to glory in a year or 2024, whenever it is. And like they go from heroes to now monkeys. Like this is this is how the thought process is with some fans. Like it's just absurd. Marcus Rashford was arguably 2020 like man of the year in England. Bro, I was just gonna yeah. break his charity work. I'm getting chills about it. Yeah. 20, 20 million pounds he raised. Youngest person ever to top the Sunday Times giving list, 20 million pounds in charities. He won the uh, MBE, which is like uh, a medal of honor. It's mm-hmm. like the third highest honor you could get. Yeah. Uh, the first is like being knighted. Right. Uh, second, I don't know what it is. Sorry, I'm not British. Yeah. But like the third is like that. And this is a dude who has literally has a spotless record from what we know yeah. of. He's done more work than the government. Pretty much. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it's yeah. just. It's I think so... Obama just did interview him too. Like he met Obama. That's how much work he's done. And it's like, yo. This is this is something that my high school coach told me at a young age. I remember one time uh, one of my teammates dropped like back-to-back passes on third down and we had to punt. And I just go off on him on the sideline. Super Philip Rivers yeah. just like chewing him out. My coach <laughs> my coach my coach comes over and he goes, "Hey man, can I tell you something?" Yeah. He's like nobody feels worse than the person that makes a mistake. Yeah. And that resonated with me cuz that was something that I think we can look at life in that mm-hmm. sense too. When someone fucks up and they're genuinely a good person, they feel like shit. You think these guys wanted to go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to miss this PK. No, they fucked up. They missed the penalty kick. Shit happens, Mm -hmm. bro. Ronaldo's missed the penalty kick. Mbappe missed the penalty kick. Baggio Beckham. Like, big name players. The bigger the stage, the look, I know these guys aren't world beaters but they're you know Sancho just so highly regarded yeah. we're talking about three yeah these are going to be players in England this is going to be the core of your team yeah. moving forward and this idea that they spend their whole lives wanting to represent for their country they put on for their country mm-hmm. they're 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 training and they're breathing soccer yeah. and they're trying to bring it home mm-hmm. and then you get that yeah and we're talking about That's England crazy, how it's man. how everyone's all together now like Southgate who's done a tremendous job because England as we've known for the past 15, 20 years is about as divided as it gets. Not as a fan, but just their national team has been very fragmented with huge egos, questionable managers. Like, like to see them all together, like you hear headlines, oh, the whole country is ready to support this England team. And like, mm-hmm. where's the support now? You, you, you're going to support them while they're winning it up. You got to support them when they suffer setbacks and it's adversity. So it's, it's the fall is very disappointing, but I, you know, Gary Neville talked about Jamie Carragher. They said once they saw who missed it, like, oh, no, this, this is going to get bad, and they called it. And it sucks that yeah. that was something that people saw coming, too. Yeah. My dad, the same thing, man. My dad saying that it was 
it's alarming. It's something that needs to change. Um, but again, hats off to Italy. Hats off to England too Credit for to making England. it to the final. Credit. Um, did first time they made a final in so long, and I, I hope they play better in the future. But still, to make a final, I don't care what route it was. Like they won their group. Like people talking about, oh, it was a soft route. Look, when you win your group, you did your job. Whatever happens afterwards, the way it's set up, so be it. So. I want to talk, I want to hear it. like people saying, "Oh, weak opponents." I'm like, "Well, they won their group. Like, what more do you? You can only be whoever's in front of you." So I, I give them their due, give them the credit, and hopefully, uh, people learn from this. Like, that's all you can say. Like, I don't know what social media companies do in terms of banning people, or this maybe comes from like education, where like we got to teach kids about that, how to you know just treat people with proper respect, but, or parenting as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just basic human values because these players they. Think about it. They've spent a rigorous club season playing games and European competitions, their domestic competitions, and now they're playing a tournament. And this has been a long tournament. You're talking about seven games, very intense. Mistakes happen. Let them be. At the end of the day, they're still heroes, and they're going to bounce back. They're going to be on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On your t- need team for the next 10, 12 years. Okay. Penalty kicks. Uh, you said something before, refresh my memory, something about penalty kicks, and then I cut you off. I wanted you to kind of save it. If you're neutral, it's amazing to watch. If you're investing in either team, it's a nightmare. Yes. I think that is the absolute perfect way to describe penalty <laughs> kicks. I get nervous despite not having money on anyone mm-hmm. and having no dog in the fight. I'm just like super nervous. Uh, USA, we're watching it together. Mm. When, uh, when, when I know they didn't go to penalty kicks, but there were two penalty kicks, yeah. right? Polishich makes his, and then Horvath saves that yeah. one against Mexico in the Gold Cup. And I was like super duper stressed out. What are your thoughts on PKs? Because it's becoming a talking point as far as like a lot of American journalists, people that don't normally watch soccer, mm-hmm. people that are the casuals that tune in, which is a big big demographic of people that tune in during major tournaments and now with espn having the rights to it dude like i remember in 2004 it was like pay-per-view that's all i heard pay-per-view man it was like a big fight you gotta order it yeah so it was like 40 dollars a game i remember my dad bought like all the grease games especially after they beat portugal he's like i'm buying all these i never know what's gonna happen it's like man i gotta buy poland versus latvia (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably not buying that one but i get what you were saying so now it's it's on a bigger stage and a lot of people have opinions how do you are you a fan of pks though 
to me, there's no like if you're not a fan of PKs, what's the solution then? Like, I'm not crazy about it, but like, what is the solution after 120 minutes? Right. When it's clear these teams are likely not going to score. Like, what do you want them to play? 150 minutes? Like, it just gets to a point where I don't think there's a, a better solution. And look, PKs are thrilling. Right. And it is a test. You're testing out how these players can they deliver in a high pressure situation with a clear goal scoring opportunity. And you're also testing the goalkeepers. How are their reflexes? How are they going to guess? You know, what's the mental side like, too? It's a real chess match. So I'm four penalties. It's just my team's involved. It's good. Oh, man. Like, do you know what the worst feeling is? Like, if, if, if you're Italian or Spanish or English or whoever took penalties in this tournament, like, if your team first missed, like, that first miss just, it scares the hell yeah. out of you. Like, if you miss, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like like when uh, Bolotti missed yesterday, Italians were like, oh, we uh-huh. control. Like, it's the worst feeling. But, but going back to penalties, it's just, I don't think there's a better solution. If someone has a better solution, please tell me. So I was thinking, right? I was thinking long and hard about this. Like, what could be a solution? Uh, the only other sport that does a shootout is hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey in the regular season, they play, like, a very short overtime, and it's like a four-on-four. So they pull one guy off the ice, and then they play either four-on-four or three-on-three. I'm sorry. I'm not the biggest hockey fan, but I know it's something like that. Yeah. And then they go to a shootout to end it. Mm-hmm. Then in, in, in hockey playoffs one of the big appeal is hockey overtime right the urgency the you know edge of your seat it's thrilling i'm captivated by hockey overtime even though it might be like a blues canucks game and i'm like Mm. if i happen to catch it and then you look on twitter it's like they're going into a third overtime you're like what the fuck Mm. and then if it goes into like a fourth overtime or halfway through the third overtime you're like damn yo they just played another game basically they played you know because it's 20 minute periods i think the reason why soccer and hockey have those kind of overtimes is because it's hard to score so when it's hard to score it's not like a basketball overtime where you're playing five minutes and it's like you know you can get a bunch of threes and twos it's easier for you to score with those two sports scoring it comes at such a premium right like you see the the roar from the crowd like dude if you know uh, ian dark said that the loudest he ever heard wembley was on the pickford save on Jorginho. wow like he's like Imagine if they would have won. If like yeah. Saka's goal won them the Euro yeah. Cup, like the place would have fucking they yeah. would have charged the field. They yeah. would have done some wild shit like that. Oh, so it's hard, right? I agree with you. Like, what is the solution? Mm-hmm. You can't play those guys longer. The only other thing I thought of to avoid going to penalty kicks, what if you went back to golden goal? Uh no. Nah. I think that's a kill. I don't know. I don't agree because I think if you do if you're a team like France, right? France, let's go back yeah, to the yeah. France-Switzerland game. Yeah. You're clearly the better team. You're Switzerland. You're saying to yourself, yo, let's just pack it in for 30 minutes. We go to PKs. We flip a coin. Whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're France, you're like, fuck that, yo. We're the better team. Let's go out there and try and score and put this shit away. I kind of like the equal opportunities. Like, you have 30 minutes. Play out the 30 minutes. I, go and go, I just think goal and goal is a very outdated rule. Hmm. What about silver goal? That's like oh. you play you play the one half. Yeah. So if you score first, you have so if you score in the ninety fourth minute of extra yeah. time, you play that the rest of that half to try to tie it. Like Greece, when they beat the Czech Republic, uh-huh. they scored on the last play. Yeah. So like I'm not feeling that. I like the open format. So you're you're a proponent for, for PKs. I'm not crazy about but I just I'm I've lived with it. I just feel like with extra time you, you should be equal opportunity. You know what I really like yeah. about it? My favorite thing is you know 
if you were to make plans yesterday yeah. and you wanted to go to dinner at 6.30, you knew you could go to dinner at 6.30. Mm-hmm. Game starts at 3. Even if it goes into extra time and PKs, you know it'll be done by 6. Yeah. There's not a lot of sports like that. Baseball, the longer the game goes, if you look at ratings, numbers drop off. People are like, I'm not watching to the 20, 22 innings. I also don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no time that you could look up at the clock and say, baseball is the only sport where there's no clock. You never know when the game's going to end. Mm-hmm. It's not like, all right, yo, there's seven minutes left in this game. You just never know, right? Soccer, there's a clock. Uh, basketball, football, the whole nine. So with soccer, I think a big appeal to that is that you know when the game is going to finish. You can make plans around that. Like, all right, these three hours, I'm going to watch. No interruptions. I'm good. And then after, you can make your plans. And penalty kicks, it sucks. It blows. The best teams don't always win. But it is, I think, the only solution to ending games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think people, if they're not really educated on a sport and they just watch, like, oh, this is what it comes to, I just think they got to be more informed. Or at least come up with ideas, watch the sport a bit, and see what you could come up with. Like I just don't see a viable alternative. If it was, I think it would have been introduced by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you also got to think like how how long can you run these athletes too? You're gonna run them for a, yeah. an- another and game. We've given them now more substitutions. Right. This is a tournament where you go up to six substitutions if it goes extra time. Are you a fan of them keeping that? Um, no, I've only agreed with it just because of COVID and just how much like. It was twice a week these players were playing. Yeah, they had to get it in for tournament. But once things go back to normal, I think I do like the fact that this in the 2018 World Cup, you get an extra sub uh, in four. So I prefer three, and then if it goes extra time, four. I think that's the best way. But I think five and then six, you're really giving a huge advantage to the, the favorites because they have more talent at their disposal. That's like a the, very the, good the, point. The big clubs or the big countries, they have the depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's a hell of a point yeah. there. But I sure. would prefer the three, and then if it goes extra time, the four. Hmm. Yeah. No, the way I think of it, three. I I would. Like, I understood why it did now, just because it was just how crazy the season was. Yeah, it's yeah. like you, you you try to prevent players getting severely injured or just exhausted. How about this? And I know this is nitpicking. You go to three for regulation, and then you get one for each. That'd be cool. I w- I wouldn't be opposed to for that. extra time. Yeah. Yeah. Look, penalty kicks. It's it's always going to be something that it's it's going to go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the best teams don't always win. We know that the best the best players don't always make it, mm-hmm. and it's a it's it's a skill too, man. It's a pressure situation. How do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Saka, he he wanted to take one too, mm-hmm. which I think that says a lot about his character too, because yeah. there are a lot of guys that shy away from that. You know, like, they don't want to be in that situation. We're talking about a teenager who wants right. To. There's a there's a famous story of Ronaldo during one of the the Portugal runs. He just turned to one of the guys and he was like you're our best penalty kick taker when coach says who wants to take one you gotta you take him one yeah. he's like and we're gonna live and die with that yeah. you make it cool you miss it is what it is yeah. we, we move on so it, it shows you who the alphas are too in situations like that absolutely that's a good way of phrasing it speaking of alphas oh Messi got one thank god Messi got one, and immediately for me is back on top of the goal conversation because yeah. I think personally, and this is something that if you're not a big soccer fan, the best way to understand it is all the greats in history mm-hmm. have won a major trophy with their national team. Mm-hmm. That is like that international success outweighs club success. Mm-hmm. 
because Messi's won how many fucking Ballon d'Ors, La Liga's, Champions League's. It's probably the size of this room. Yeah, yeah. all the, yeah, his, his trophies. Can, yeah, definitely. But yeah. with Argentina, he always got this close. Right. Particularly now, with Copa, too. And now he wins the Copa America with Argentina. They beat their arch nemesis. They beat Brazil, who was the favorites coming in. They in, beat them in Brazil. in Brazil as well. Messi finally gets one. What are your thoughts on now his legacy? Because we always have to have these conversations. Because if he would have lost, mm. it'd be a legacy conversation. Now that he wins, what's the legacy conversation? I think, look, he's always going to be Valdez as one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest ever play. So I, I, I always just, you have to look at his greatness, what he does on the field, and you take it for what it is. It's like, okay, he's done. He's made your jaw drop more than anyone else that's ever played on the field. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just like win or loss, he was always going to be like, it doesn't really change much. It's just I'm glad he finally got this gratification because there was massive pressure on him in Argentina. Like, even though he's idolized there, it's just he's always going to be compared to Maradona. And it's like, okay, when are you going to deliver for us? Even though I think Argentina has done a, just baffling. Like, how they managed the 2018 World Cup was one of the worst things ever. Like, in terms of like a traditional powerhouse, like it, they look completely disheveled, and they gave France a good run. I know you were heavily invested in that game. I lost my mind when Di Maria scored that golazo yeah. to go two one. I forgot about that one. I was watching World Cup and I was like, man, dude, man. I watched that at the Beer Garden, man. R.I.P. to the Beer Garden studio, man. Would have been fucking a hell of a, amazing yeah. place to watch games. But I was glad finally he got one. And just I don't think look the own like, soccer is such a team game. The owner shouldn't be slow on him. Yes, I know he's the best player, and there's always going to be pressure on, but. Let's look back at 2014. If Higuain, who, who I know he hasn't always delivered in pressure spots, but he is a known goal scorer. If he puts that breakaway in, all this talk ends in 2014. Yeah. So and then the losses to Chile in the Copa, it's just I think Messi just been put in a bad situation time and time again by. And, and how many times yeah. did Di, Ma- Di Maria miss a semifinals game or, yeah. or a Aguero final? Aguero hasn't delivered. Or, or yeah, Aguero yeah. pulls a hamstring or yeah. some shit and. You know, Dybala in 2018 couldn't crack the lineup. Yeah. He was basically what Sancho was right. for England. And then when he would come on, he would, you know, have some flashes of greatness. Yeah. That dude, I think, I saw him in a picture. I don't even think he made the Argentina no. team because he was in Miami partying. I saw get called up. <laughs> one of the guys I know that works at 11 was, like, chilling with Dybala. I'm like, what the, <laughs> fuck, is, what the fuck is happening? Sir, where are you? Yeah, wait, you're not playing in the Copa? What was happening? Yeah. So that was cool. We I, I didn't watch any of the Copa until the final. Me either. Because like I said, it was. It, I wish it was scheduled better, but it's just there's only so much you could consume. Why doesn't Why doesn't the USA and Mexico play in that? They should. You put them in. You make it a twelve. And you four, really man. make it a Copa America. Yeah. It's like the North and South America region. Because right. like yo, look, they're doing another Gold Cup now, and it's like yeah. the B the B level Gold Cup. Like it's, only Kel, uh, Kelly Acosta is playing uh-huh. that played on the. The actual like gold Haiti cup. And yeah, gold. it's like, come on, bro. What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? It's too much. Yeah. Also, you want to make it the best competition possible. Right. You yeah. want to go. You, you can't have the United States playing Gold Cup, mm-hmm. and then you're playing in the World Cup. Or to make it interesting, like, I don't know how you would gauge it, but, like, the two highest-performing CONCACAF teams go in. So it could be USA Costa Rica or because like after 2018, it's like our right, USA. You might have to sit this out for right. It could be Mexico Costa Rica. So give the give reward to the two best Concacaf teams and let them get in that and see how they do against South America. Because isn't like Qatar in something right now? And I don't know if the, I think they're in the Gold Cup or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I know Qatar was rumored to be there being. I think they were almost going to be in Copa, but I think travel restrictions prevented it. But like they were going to be part of it. Just. To see how they were going to compare, because you know they're the hosts next World Cup. 
So they clearly want things to be flexible. Mm-hmm. I think they're open to it. Like they're, tr- I heard already. I saw headlines say they're going to try to sub Argentina, Italy at some point, do like a Super Copa thing. Huh. So that'd be cool. Interesting. Yeah. So I think there's flexibility there. So I, w- I would like to see them do it, but yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for Argentina. I, I, I think they're a very likable country when it comes to how they play. Like it did just you know you're going to get entertainment with them. So to see them back, because it was really hard to watch them in 2018, even though I enjoyed my fill because Croatia thrashed them. But still, you want, like, Argentina's like one of those teams. It's like, man, I want to see them in the core final. I want to see them in the semifinal. What's going to happen? So hopefully they use this one time because this is surely going to be Messi's last World Cup coming up. And I think now maybe Argentina could use this and build on it. All right. Heavy, heavy soccer talk. Probably won't get some soccer talk for a little bit. Yeah. So, MMA, though. Yeah, MMA. Yo, shout out to the, the numbers for Euro Cup and the soccer stuff has been fantastic. So thanks to everyone so that, that tuned in. Um, always fun when there's major international tournaments. And, Alan, I hope you're excited for the World Cup because it's going to be a shit show in the middle of football for us. <laughs> so we might have to do a pod every day with how chaotic that's going to be. I'm- but. Hopefully, God willing, everyone's intact. Yeah. Every everything is going well, and and we talk about that when we time comes. Chaos. Uh, speaking of chaos, yeah. UFC two sixty four. Um, overall, I thought it was a it it was a cool card. Had some moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy who ate I think one thousand eight hundred and fifty six punches became the star. Chris Moutinho. Just, was he like the first Portuguese fighter? In the, I'd never seen a Portuguese fighter. In the he he might have been. He might have yeah. been. Yeah, I've never I never noticed that. But yeah. like you know, that dude was just uh, they were calling him the Green Zombie at one point, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, but you know, got dominated. It's funny to me that Herb Dean let that go on. Uh, sorry, stopped it when he did. Because, like, Calvin Cater was getting pieced up, and he kind of didn't do He's that. He's the most questionable high. I know people respect Herb Dean, but I just, I've seen too many major incidents with him. I'm just, I don't consider him to be, like. Who do you dude. think is the best? I used to love Big John, but he doesn't ref anymore. Um, I like Herzog. He's up there. He's up there. I think he's the one where I'm like, when he's refing a big fight, I'm like, all right, no one's going to get killed. I used to like Eve Levine. But I don't think he's not really around no more, right? No, no. I just remember all the band, like, cause y'all, like, I can't stand Dan Migliotta. Dan Migliotta lets people get die. Like, literally, they get major brain damage in there when he's rest. I'm trying to think of the good ones. Like, Josh Rosenthal was good for a bit. He's the guy who let Brock Lesnar take that beating against Shane Carwin, and then Brock came back. Mm. Yeah. By the way, have, have you seen Brock Lesnar's man punch? <laughs> he might be the first scariest man with a man punch. Yo, that dude is working in, like, a, a, a slaughterhouse. In North Dakota meatpacking. Like, Yo, for real. That dude is just, like, he's always said, he's like, Yo, I have no electricity in my crib. I don't want to do anything. Just... Yeah, live on a farm. There's people I'd be shocked to see on social media. Brock Lesnar is like number one on the list. Anytime I see a non WWE photo of Brock Lesnar, I'm like, how do you let that happen? <laughs> you just never see it. But the, the the fallout and the big talking point is obviously the main event right. coming into it, coming out of it. Um, my thoughts on the main event and Conor McGregor is I want to preface by saying you need to understand just how fucking good Dustin Poirier is. Conor. Yeah, he's lost three of his last four fights in the UFC. Honestly, his only win is against Cowboy, and Cowboy's on a six-fight losing, six or seven-fight losing streak. Um, if he wasn't Cowboy Cerrone, he would have been cut. Connor's fighting the elite of the elite. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just giving you a reason as to why these results are happening. It's unfortunate. It was a freak accident like that, how he broke his ankle. 
it sucks because now you do leave the door open for a rematch. And guess what, yo? There's going to be yeah. a fourth fight. Yeah. It's going to happen. And I hate to break it to you. I'm telling you this right now. If Poirier beats Oliveira for the title, that fourth fight is going to be for the strap. It's just a matter of when Conor's going to get healthy because I think it's going to take a year. Right, yeah. right. I, I watched his video and I saw a, a statement from his team. Six months on, uh, six weeks on crutches, mm -hmm. and then after that the rehab. So, I don't think we're gonna see Connor at earliest next July. Yeah. So by then, I think you probably do Poirier Oliveira. Poirier could probably fight twice in between if you really want. Yeah, to. and then also Oliveira. You know, it's a fifty-fifty fight. So right, right, right. I don't. We're trying to discount Oliveira. Right, I don't want to discount him. So I think one of two things happens. Connor's next fight is going to be against Poirier. I really believe that. Now, is it going to be for the title, or is it going to be Poirier off the off the loss? If he loses Oliveira, then you run that fourth fight. But he breaks his ankle on that that incident, and it seemed like he threw a teep kick, and Dustin's elbow hit the spot that ended up being the break. Now, I don't know if you've ever thrown a kick at like a joint. It's not a good time. You know when people complain about soccer players like flopping and yeah. shit? It's like, yo, you got to understand, you're being kicked at a relatively hard level in your leg. It's, you know, if you put your hand out right now, if you're watching this video, just go like that to your forearm. It, it hurts. Even you doing this, it's like, all right, I can feel that. You know what I mean? And I'm not even doing it hard. Right. Now, imagine if I'm actually... Sucise, you know, like I'm yeah. throwing a, a strike or, you know, someone throws a kick and you block it. A lot of times I was like, oh, he blocked it. It's like, bro, it hurts. Mm -hmm. I hold pads. I was holding pads one time in Josh's backyard. I was just like being ricocheted. Mm -hmm. The first one he threw it, like hit me in the face. I'm like, what the fuck, you know? So when you throw a kick, you saw the Weidman mm -hmm. shit against uh, Uriah Hall. Mm -hmm. When you hit a joint, that shit hurts, bro. So he breaks his foot there. It sucks because... Look, two of the three judges scored it a 10-8 for Poirier. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm not sure either. Yeah. It was funny that he jumped the guillotine because, Connor, no one thought you were going to finish him with a guillotine. Mm -hmm. Poirier is a high-level BJJ guy. Also, it's not your game. It's funny because he was saying how, you know, I'm 19-1. and one. It's only knockouts that I count. And then he shoots for a guillotine, which is kind of funny. But or or what he said, um, who, uh, whoever shoots first is a bitch. Bitch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... That's kind of just Connor talk, but how, how do you feel about this fallout, man, from f from the fight? Uh, and how do you think the fight was going? Because again, I thought, I thought the, obviously the first minute, like it's a McGregor storm, right? Like you know he's going to throw a couple of spinning back kicks to the body. He's going to go all full force. I turned to my buddies. Yeah. I was in Atlantic City for a basketball party. Yeah. I was like, "Yo, he's throwing like four spinning kicks. He's going to be gassed like halfway through the he second always, round." But he normally does that, right? Like, he, he, that's just his thing. Like, I remember he did it against Chad Mendes the first time and like just boom and ran to the set, right into yeah, the yeah, center yeah. and then threw a spinning kick. That shit was so, so gangster. Uh, but it just seemed like by like within 90 seconds, Poirier seemed to be in control. Like, I didn't think the guillotine was all that threatening. And then on the ground, you saw that ground pound. And I, if you saw from the replay and roughly did Herb do the main event, mm -hmm. if he's a, he totally missed this, but Connor was like pulling his glove, very cheap tactic. I remember first seeing that from when Tim Kennedy 
fought Yoel Romero. Just like you hold, he was holding the inside of the glove, and then that's to help them get the leverage for the up kick. Yep. That's why at one point Dustin said, "Forget this, I'm not dealing with this yeah. anymore." That well, and that's one of the reasons why they yeah. stood up. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Dustin points like, "What's going on?" But uh, yeah, I thought Dustin was in pretty good control. But I, I will give credit, credit to Conor. Like I didn't think he took that too like too much damage. Like obviously his ear was messed up, but I think on the ground when it comes to like working off his back, Conor holds up decently well like compared to other people against khabib he i always say it's like he held up well against khabib yeah. all things considered i know he still got dominated but he's someone that he's you're not just gonna totally dominate him on the ground he's gonna he could hold his own he's just he's not gonna pose any submission threat yeah but no i thought Poirier was in control but i didn't think it was to the extent where connor's gonna get finished i didn't really think it was anywhere near like i thought connor was moving pretty well even when he was getting battered a bit he was still in control and then when the you know break happened it's just like oh man what a letdown because it, say we want, but Connor. Every time he fights, it's intriguing. You are excited because you know he's as fun as it gets. He's a, everything you want to have a mixed martial artist in terms of entertainment. You're gonna get yeah. with Connor, and Pori is the same way. So I wanted to see. Like I remember being a little disappointed the second fight, as great as it was. I was like, damn, I want this a little longer. Like I really wanted to see at least three rounds of these guys just going at it. So we didn't get that again, and we haven't gotten any of three three fights. Yeah, they've so. all been quick finishes, one way or the other. Yeah. What did you make of the Connor antics, both to the lead up because we didn't really preview it. I, I talked about it with Josh. I felt like Connor was back. The old Connor was back. The no more handshakes, no more hugs and kisses and pats on the back. Like nah, listen, it's cool. I I get that the respect thing. I understand, but. For Conor McGregor, that's what got him to the dance. That's what made him the global megastar that he is, number one on Forbes. And look, did he cross the line? He crossed the line with Habib, and I think that's what ultimately humbled him. There's like certain things. You don't talk about people's families the way he did. You don't talk about religion, especially a guy like Habib who is ultra religious. Mm -hmm. And just in general, like a lot of people with religion, it's like, you know, I I never talk politics and religion Mm -hmm. just because it's like from a young age, my pops told me, never discuss that with people. It's a very passionate thing. So with Connor, when he comes out, I, I love him. He was like, yo, fuck his hot sauce and the lead. I would text him. I was like, yo, I, that's the Connor I want. I want yeah. it to be like, yo. And then uh, that, that, that's the fun part. Right, okay. right. Yeah. And Poirier was like, yo, it's not McGregor fast. It's McGregor sleeps. Yeah. Like that was a bar too. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's certain things that you cross the line. And then at the end, look, I, I like Connor McGregor. I, I would say I even love Connor McGregor. I'm a big Poirier fan also. Dude, you're sitting there and you're talking about your wife is in my DMs and shit and Call like, whole, like, yeah, and it's just weird because like, yo, you just lost again, dude. You know, yeah. thing is like, it's loss is luster when you're getting pieced up when you're getting dominated. Like, you can't, you're not the alpha male anymore. Like, yeah, you can still talk your shit and you know, be funny. Like, I'm not saying don't be entertaining, but it's just it's not gonna hold the same weight. And then it starts to get to desperation, and that's why I thought it was. It's just like. What's what's the purpose of this? I think it was after the the Nate loss. He's backstage with uh, Hawani, I think, yeah. and he like he gave this like amazing promo about yeah. you know like being, uh, humble. being humble and like I learned from my defeats yeah. and we'll be- and I feel like a lot of people were like, yo, that's dope. We didn't know that side of Connor, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then the build up into Nate, Nate and Connor too was like you know the same old Connor shit. But you know I don't think I don't think the appeal of him is gonna be lost. I think the next time he fights. They'll do plus 1.5 million pay-per-views again. Yeah, it'll always be entertaining. It'll always be entertaining. And there was a lot of people who I saw tweet and post about the UFC that I didn't know watch 
and that goes into the star power and yeah. the appeal of him. Because some people generally want to see him get battered. Like, there, he, yeah, there's he, that. He's, Look, he's that much of a polarizing figure now. I loved his poster. He's like, you need people like me, referencing uh, the goat, Razor Ramon. You yeah. know, you got to look and point and say that's the bad guy. Yeah. Also a Scarface quote. Right. But to me, the, the Connor thing, is he an elite fighter anymore? Honestly, bro, I don't... Your questions. It, he but turns I don't, 33 in a couple of days. Right, but I don't know the answer to that because... It's not like Cowboy who's losing to, no disrespect to uh, Alex Morono, yeah. right? Like, he's not losing to guys on the, you know, on the cusp of being mm-hmm. a top 15. You're, you're talking about, like, the you know, crop, yeah, yeah Poirier's resume is, you know, he's he's only lost to Habib in his last 10 fights. Yeah. The thing is, though, like, Connor's always going to fight the top. Yeah, top he's, he's not, not going to go fight down. jobbers. Yeah. Like, you're the talking only about... fight he'll take was probably Nate Diaz because the history behind it and how much big business will happen. Right. So, so it's it's hard to quantify like, where Connor stands in the rankings right now. But I think you have to have questions of him being like championship caliber at this point. Like if he can't win these fights, how can he be championship caliber? That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And I think Connor moving forward has one or two options. I think the the Nate Connor is the most reasonable. Because, number one, it's going to be a box office hit. The trilogy, it's 1-1. The history between the two, it'll be sick. The back and forth will be phenomenal. If I was a UFC, I do Poria Oliveira. And then whoever wins that, I think you do Connor versus Nate to get Connor to get yet another big money fight, another big fight that's going to sell. And you beat a guy in Nate who is a fan favorite, who is a guy that is a respectable opponent. And then he has one win going into a title fight. Okay, that's a big if. Because Americano will have to go up to 170. Nate's not going to go back down to the right. five. Right, that's true. And Nate, Nate, as crazy as Nate Diaz has leverage, he he definitely has the leverage. And I think Khan doesn't mind going up to 170 either. Or maybe they can meet at Catchway, who knows. But... uh yeah, that's a, that's a big risk. Like, because at this point, like, you, like, I don't know. I wouldn't question like his durability, but like, Poirier pieced him up a bit. And you saw Connor like b- went back a little bit. Like, everyone said I, one thing I didn't understand at all. Like, just, oh, Connor totally outclassed him on the feet. Like, okay, Connor may tagged him once, but like, P- Poirier hit him with like three good shots. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Good combinations where Connor was had to backtrack a bit. So I didn't really think it was that much of a difference on the feet, and then on the ground, it was no contest. So. I don't know where to go. It's it's gonna be a long rehabilitation process. Like this is a severe injury. Like we saw how brutal it was, but yeah, I don't think like, people are always gonna watch him regardless. But I do th- I do get worried because the lighter weight classes besides Aldo and Egder, w- w- what fighters, if you can recall, like fought into their mid to late thirties at the highest level, and maybe put a riot favor there as well. Faber, Cruz. Cruz on the fall consistently. I love Dominic Cruz. Right, 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 yeah. Guys fought three times. The wear and tear isn't as bad. How about this? I saw, shout out to my guy, Andreas Andreas Hale. He wrote a nice piece for Sporting News saying, this might have been the best possible outcome for, for Connor because he has the excuse of him getting hurt. Right, Dr. Stoppage, mm-hmm. the video of him yelling to Herb Dean, say it was Dr. Stoppage, yeah, yeah. Dr. Stoppage. And then also, he avoids any ground and pound and any, like, you know, wear and tear and getting beaten up or getting viciously knocked out. He's still got a long recovery. Like he- I get that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I guess but, for the but, brand. All right, the brand. Yeah, the, yeah. the brand, yes. And also, like, all right, you break your leg. I get it. I don't want to, like, make it seem like it's a sprained yeah. ankle. But 
instead of getting you know 200 plus shots to the yeah. face and yeah. getting beaten up physically from that yeah. standpoint he just relies on his movement a lot but i'm just from a technical standpoint i get from a brand standpoint it's you know i think he, yeah that kind he of make, he is, makes a, he makes a great point yeah that. but oh man i just i feel like you don't feel like the luck like Popularity wise, he'll always be high, but you won't feel like the luster has been lost with based on these performances over the past. I feel like ever since like 2014, 2017, Connor was top of the top. Yeah. Best musty against you know, Khabib loss and then losing to Pore twice now. Like Cerrone win was cool, but like it was very just Yeah. Here and there. I just feel like the past few years, like there's been damage and as he gets older now, I wonder if it could be repaired. No, nah, listen, it, I'd be naive to say that he hasn't lost his luster. Mm-hmm. I need to step away from the fandom yeah. and the fanboy stuff and then what he's meant to the UFC. We're never going to see the Eddie Alvarez performance because guess what? That was also four or five years ago. A lot yeah. changes in that time. That was one of the greatest performances I've seen in yeah. a uh, title fight. Yeah. Dude, he, the, made, he made a seasoned veteran look like an amateur. I say it all the time. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, the, the other one that comes to mind in recent memory was what Moreno did to Figueredo. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Just legitimately, there's no... There was no doubt in everywhere. Outclassed him, and then he he yeah. he choked him out too. Figueredo um, got choked out by Moreno. But look, his his what you said I think was best, and that's how we'll wrap this up. The days of him being a title threat to someone, mm-hmm. I think, are done. But the draw power is, is going to remain the same. Absolutely, it's going to be people are going to be asking for tickets if you're a celebrity. You saw all the celebs that came out for that. It's the same. Odell, shit. <laughs> yeah, the same. The same shit's going to happen the yeah. next time you fight. And look, guys, entertaining. Save you want as a fighter, he is still must see because people. What do people want to see? For? They want to see action pack. We want to mm-hmm. see striking. Well, we of course as purists love the jujitsu, the wrestling, the pure dominant side right. of it. But when you're talking about unpredictable striking, Connor's as good as it gets. Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan Stark, A-L-L-E-N-S-D-R-K. At The Lamb Show, as you can find me, at Veterans Minimum, as you can find everything for the show. Check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. And a special shout-out to the Patreon. If you guys go to Patreon right now, you can see some of the changes that we've made. Uh, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of giving back. You can earn merch uh, upon sign-up or if you do a, a, a yearly sub. Shout-out to Marshall Tokarski for the yearly sub. And shout out to all the members of the Patreon as well. And we will catch you guys next time.